Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And it's all been a pack of lies. I am Chip Chantry. What's good? Chip, why don't you introduce our our guest and our okay. topic? Uh, he's a very, very funny comedian, performs all over the country, uh, has uh, numerous albums out that have uh, that have topped the uh, the comedy charts. And he used to be my roommate. Uh, he's the only man that I know. I'm just going to stop right there. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pat House is here. Uh, hi, Pat. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, he's a returning guest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should say that. Yeah, he's uh, uh, l- l- let me do that again. Uh, uh, funny comedian, whatever. Dumb stuff. Bah, bah, bah. Friend of the show. <laughs> Pat House. He was here for uh, Live is right? regular. Live yes. Regular. Yep. Live One Aid. of our first Which episodes. Actually, yeah, which actually has, uh, uh, which actually has some, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Has some relevance today for our topic. I liked when you introduced him as the only man you know. I know. I was, and I, I was trying to think about that, and I was like, I'm just going to stop right there. I feel like that's a pretty good. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to mention the comic's name because he might get embarrassed. But it's a comic that I love, and I think he's hilarious. Uh, but I was doing a show last night, and he just happened to be hosting. Very funny guy. Uh, was hosting the show and just it was like, you know, it's because with COVID and everything, we're kind of distancing and he forgot to get my intro. And like, I've known him for years, but like, you know, what do you say? He forgot to get my intro and I, for, I forgot to give it to him. I didn't think of it. And he's about to bring me up. He finishes the set and he goes and I could right at that moment. I remembered that he we did. I didn't give him an intro. So it's like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say. And you could just tell he was sort of like a deer in headlights for a minute. He's like, all right, you guys ready for your next comic? Um, uh. He goes, uh, he wrote on the man show, Chip Chantry. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was like Doug Stanhope, Joe Rogan version. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. his idea to put girls on trampolines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This Welcome guy Chip Chantry. And it was, ju- it was just, it was just the, and by the way, the funniest part is that like some people will introduce me by saying I wrote on a show with Howie Mandel. And he told me afterwards, he's like, I remember there was a man part of it. <laughs> and so from Howie word. Mandel, he that went. Is, yeah, yeah. And it's still terrible word association. But it's it just brought me so much joy. It brought me it brought me so much joy. Yeah. Uh, I must I must forgot Tom Rhodes's name one time. I just spaced out. And luckily, I saw his face on a table tent in the first row. And that's what triggered it. Oh, that's but that's it was best, it was yeah. I was very early in the hosting, but I just had like a total brain fart. I did the announcements and it was like, who's coming out? I I always write down if I'm hosting, I always write down everybody's name because like I remember again, I was <laughs> very new. Our good friend Andy Nolan, who I knew Andy Nolan for like two years at this point, And it was just an open mic, but I just completely blanked on his name. So like I had to we actually tag team last night. So I had to bring up Doogie Horner. And like I wrote down his credits and his name just because I was like, I'm not I don't want to blank on, on his name. So good night, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, <laughs> Great episode. And that has yeah, been thanks. I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah. Open mic edition. <clears throat> oh, Ken, should we start talking about music? Yes, I am. I am stupid excited for today's topic. And uh, I know Pat is also We've we've actually um, we've asked Pat a few times recently to come in and discuss this scheduling hasn't allowed it, but we've been saving today's topic just for Pat. Yes, we have Um, honored. 
Yes, as, as you should be, Pat. Uh, he, uh, before we get into exactly who this is, I'm going to say this goes into what I would call my Hall and Oates category of performers, musicians, of somebody who I really liked when I was a kid. And then I went through a phase, I think is maybe not you guys, but a lot of people went through a phase. It was like, oh, this guy sucks. Yeah. Oh, no, and I, then, did. I did. And then you're then you realize once you age into it, you're like, oh, wait, no, like I was just being dumb and I thought I was too cool for school. And this guy is the best. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's uh, so you want to introduce who we're talking about there, Kenneth? We're talking about the one and only Phil Collins. In the air tonight. Phil Collins is in the air tonight, guys. So strap in. And let's get our let's get our Collins kick in, as I like to call it. It's, a, it's our it's our it's our noontime Collins kick. If I had a radio station, that's what I would call it. Noontime Collins kick. Uh, no matter where you're what time you're listening to this. Um, uh, Ken, you want me to, uh, to give, give a little background on uh, Philip Collins? Yeah, give us some of the stats. I, I, I will argue that this guy may have had a better decade in the music history than any artist in the history of music. I mean, it's it's incredible and we'll get into it. But just what he did from like, yeah, the, basically from 80 to like 92 is like one of the craziest runs I think anybody has ever had. Uh, so uh, let's jump in. And I, ho- I hope people are enjoying this. Ken and I kind of came to this uh, realization that we, we try to front load it with a bunch of facts. We'll give you the rundown of the artist real quickly, and then we can really get into the uh, conversation because it, it, we felt like, oh, we missed this fact. We missed this fact. So at the beginning, we'll just kind of give a quick rundown, maybe like just for a couple minutes of like, here's some bullet points. Basically, ju- I'm going to give all the credit to Wikipedia, just kind of go through all of his bullet points. And then we'll uh, we'll jump in with some of our favorite stories and some of our favorite uh, items about Phil Collins. Are you ready, Ken and Patrick? Yes, sir. I've never right. been more ready. All right. Philip David Charles Collins was born on January 30th, 1951. Uh, So he is currently 70 years old in Chiswick, Middlesex, now part of the London borough of Hounslow, which I just want to say that over and over for the rest of my life. Just Hounslow. Uh, His father was an insurance agent. His mother was a theater agent, which uh, sort of led to part of one of his young careers. His sister was a competitive figure skater and his brother is a uh, well-known cartoonist. He was a very musical kid, started playing drums at a very young age. When he was five, he was in a talent show. I think this is amazing. He was in a talent show when he was five years old, singing the Davy Crockett theme song. Halfway through, he stopped the song to tell the orchestra that they were in the wrong key, which is amazing. (laughs) That's like a cocky five-year-old. I mean, great, right? Uh, As a kid, he was heavily influenced by Buddy Rich, the Beatles, and a band called The Action. If you you guys don't know the British band The Action, super underrated, amazing band. They have one of my favorite songs, a song called Brain. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, He did a lot of acting as a child, as a teenager. He was in the musical Oliver. Uh, He went to drama school. He was actually an extra in A Hard Day's Night. In his teens, uh, he started focusing more on music than acting. He joined a band called Hickory, which became the band Flaming Youth. They did a concept album called Arc 2, I think it was called, which was a concept album about the moon landing, which is just, you know, terrible. And they broke up in 1970. Uh, he played with some other bands. He played percussion in George Harrison's song, The Art of Dying, but it actually wasn't used. Uh, but, you know, he, he played with a, a bunch of people. In 1970, he saw an ad for a drummer for the band Genesis, which he auditioned and obviously 
made it into the band from 70 to 75. He played drums and percussion uh, and sang background vocals. Of course, uh, the one and only Mr. Peter Gabriel was the very flamboyant lead singer in 75. Peter Gabriel left Genesis and after auditioning hundreds of singers, Collins just they just threw Collins up. He became the front man. Uh, they released uh, Trick of the Tail, which became their really first kind of big successfully selling album. In 1978, while Genesis was on a hiatus, Collins went to Vancouver to work on his strange marriage with Andrea Bertarelli. Uh, didn't work out. He came back to England. And while the other members of Genesis were working on their soul albums, he played uh, with the band Brand X. Uh, he also started writing his first solo album, Face Value, which was heavily influenced by his uh, divorce. It became a UK number one hit and included, of course, in the air tonight, solidifying him as a solo success. Uh, but Genesis was still going strong and they uh, released uh, uh, an album in 1981. Uh, his second solo album, Hello, I, uh, Hello, I Must Be Going, was released in 1982. And here's the part where I, I have to admit this. When I was a kid, I thought he'd like, quit Genesis to pursue a solo career, which no. didn't happen until, what, until many, many years later, basically. That doesn't uh, happen until he, the 90s. Until the 90s. It was like 96 or like he just they just kept like whenever Genesis was on hiatus, he would just keep doing solo albums. He played with Brian Eno, uh, members of ABBA, Adam Ant, Eric Clapton, Robert Plant. Like he just played with everybody. Also played in Genesis and also had a crazy solo career. In February 84, he released uh, Against All Odds from the movie of the same name, which became his first single to top the British 100, earned him a Grammy for Best Male Pop Performance. He was also nominated for an Oscar for the song Against All Odds and planned to perform it at the Oscars, but he actually wasn't invited to perform his own song at the Oscars because they like didn't realize how big of a name he was. And they gave it to like a very talented Broadway actress. And I think it's ranking is how you say her last name. Uh, she was in the movie Annie and all. She performed it instead. Please go watch her performance of oh, Against All Odds. It is. <laughs> and she's like a very talented. She was a very talented performer. It's one of the most horrid things you've ever seen in your entire life. And Phil Collins, like throughout his career, when he was a when he was on stage and would about to, when he would sing uh, against all odds, he would just be like, oh, I wish Anne was here to perform it. But I guess I have to do it for you. Like literally <laughs> shitting on her. You feel bad for because she's a very talented person, but it's yeah. just awful. Uh, so then 85 his maybe his big year. No jacket required came out. Uh, let's just Susudio for one more first night. album I ever bought on CD. That was the first CD I ever got. Like my saved up money went to Sam Goody and bought on my own. First I'm going to interject ever. there real quick, dude. My first CD that I bought with money that I saved was Serious Hits Live, his live album from Germany. Yeah, so I'm yeah. in the same boat with the first CD that I saved money for. I was like wow. fucking like eight or nine. The first CD I spent, uh, I bought was uh, the Black Crow Shake Your Money Maker, but not exactly. But wow, I got two Collins heads in yep. the room right now. Two yeah. of them. That's great. I feel like it's Pat. Like, I feel like Pat beats me. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit. But. It's called autism. <laughs> <laughs> so no jacket required comes out. I mean, just hands down. Eight nineteen eighty five. So studio one more night. Don't lose my number. Take me home. Uh, and included contributions from Sting and Peter Gabriel. Biggest selling album. Also in, 90, in, in 1985, we'll talk about him, sure. One of the most badass acts in history. Phil Collins played both London and Philadelphia in motherfucking live 
aid. Yes. Uh, later, later and 85 plays, Genesis plays drums in, with Led Zeppelin and Live Aid. Yes. With the Led yes. Zeppelin reunion. And uh, which is actually ca- we're, kind of. We're talking uh, about that. Yeah. And is maligned <laughs> yeah. for it, but we'll get. Yes. There. Yeah. Um, later in 85, uh, Genesis now, like it's just, he just keeps going back and forth. So he just has this huge album, his biggest album. Genesis then records Invisible Touch, which includes the title track, Invisible Touch, Tonight, 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 Throwing It All Away, Into Deep, and of course, Land of Confusion. They're on top of the world. 88, Colin starts, stars in the, uh, the film Buster, which includes his version of the song Groovy Kind of Love and the song Two Hearts. In 89, he re- uh, records But Seriously, which includes Come On, Another Day in Paradise, I Wish It Would Rain Down, Something Happened on the Way to Heaven, do you remember, among others, 1991, Genesis is like, screw it, we'll do it again. We Can't Dance comes out, includes I Can't Dance, Jesus, He Knows Me. In 1992 and 93, he works on his album Both Sides, which was largely influenced by his second his declining sec- marriage. Second divorce album. Yeah, second divorce album. In 96, Collins officially leaves Genesis to focus on a solo career. It's like, what have you been doing for the last decade, dude? But he fo- <laughs> focuses on that. He forms the Phil Collins Big Band which was mostly instrumental big band covers of Genesis and his solo work, which he played drums on around this time. He also wrote a number of songs for the soundtrack uh, to the Disney film Tarzan, which included the song you'll be in my heart, which spent 19 weeks, 19 weeks on the top of the adult contemporary charts, earned him an Oscar and a golden globe Uh, in the year 2000. uh, He due to a viral infection, he became partially deaf in his one ear, which he still basically is. Uh, He had some other health issues, which which sort of have maligned him ever since. In 2006, though, 10 years after he broke up, he reunited with Genesis for the Turn It On Again tour. 2010, he released the album Going Back, which was a Motown covers album. Also in 2010, Genesis was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2011, Collins announced that he was taking time off from music due to health and other problems, basically a retirement. But in 2015, announced he had plans to make a new album and a tour. 2016, his autobiography, Not Dead Yet, was released. The tour of same name began, included his son, Nick, on drums, who's a great drummer. And uh, due to some health issues, uh, Phil can still sing uh, like an angel, but uh, has has difficulty drumming. And then in 2020, Collins and Genesis reformed again and planned a tour that, of course, got pushed off due to COVID. Uh, also includes uh, his son, Nick, on drums. And uh, that tour began in the fall of this year. And uh, ladies and germs, uh, that is the uh, quick rundown of Philip Charles, David Charles Collins. That was very well done. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's talk about that decade. Like nonstop. I mean, nonstop. Genesis solo. Genesis solo. Genesis solo. Movie, movie, movie. Yeah, Genesis and, solo. And, 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 but, and then also yeah. drumming for everybody under the sun. Clapton, Robert Plant. You know, uh, and and touring with them, going yeah, going out yeah. and and going on Robert Plant's uh, pictures at Eleven tour. Going out on tours with Clapton. Producing in Miami Vice, which I which I watched last night. Phil the Shill. I forgot to watch it. I forgot you texted us last night and I made a mental note, but I totally forgot to watch it. You know, Miami Vice does not hold up as as a show, but I remember here's how old I am, because I'm pretty sure Miami Vice came on Friday nights 
And I was sleeping over my uncle's house, and I remember watching. Oh no, that. this isn't going to be one of those memories. <laughs> oh no, come on, Ken. And I remember watching that. I, my uncle was like, "Just stare at the TV and be <laughs> in your happy place and ignore me." No, I remember watching it live and being like, "Like, oh, everyone's like." I I thought it was just such a big deal that Phil Collins was on there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's one of those things that I really do miss about, like, not to sound like an old man, uh, but like, it was just, it was so much fun because like every, everything is so for, for better or worse is everything is so segmented now and everything is so niche and everybody's like, everybody can have a podcast, even a bunch of idiots like us, yeah. you know, have a tiny little piece of the pie. But back then it was just there. You were just in this, like every single person on earth, whether they were a fan or not knew who Phil Collins was. And like, he was on Miami Vice and then in the air tonight was on Miami Vice and it was in a, 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 a I think Miller Lite or some beer commercial. And it was just like everywhere. Like, you know, it was like Ghostbusters for like two years. Ghostbusters was everywhere. You know, like everybody. And you don't have that. I feel like that crossover anymore yeah. where you just have these huge cultural like pop cultural, at least, you know, moments that you had back in the 80s. No inescapable he even said he was tired of himself like he knew he was everywhere and even at a time he felt like he knew he was oversaturating the market yeah he he says he that he so by the way the book that you mentioned uh not dead yet easily one of the most entertaining rock uh autobiographies i've ever i i banged it out this week it's only like 300 pages it's not that long it's an easy read too. Like he's a good storyteller and he's funny. So it makes it, it's an easy read. You like find yourself flying through it. Yeah. He doesn't take himself seriously. No. Although I like how he explained, you know, he, 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 people sort of resented him for oversaturating the market and he, he was, he, people claimed he was a workaholic and he said that like, no, he just, he didn't know how to say no. He, he said, yeah. like, how, how do you tell? So what's really interesting about him is he grows up in London and he's in London during the swinging 60s when the British invasion, before they've come over to America, when they're still in the UK working all their shit out. He was there uh, front and center in the audience watching Jimi Hendrix, watching the Rolling Stones. He was at Led Zeppelin's first performance. So he's a fan first and foremost. And you try telling this kid in London who grew up, by the way, was like sort of lower middle class. He didn't grow up very well. He didn't grow up very wealthy. He, he lived in a tiny little room with his brother. He said that you had to leave the room to change your mind is how small the room was <laughs> and in a bunk bed. And he, he slept under his brother until his brother was 22 and moved out of the house. So you try telling this kid from, you know, that grew up in, in, in front and center of all this. Uh, you, you like, how is he going to say no to Eric Clapton? You know, he he idolized Eric Clapton and, and, mm -hmm. and he gets to a point where like, oh, my God, these people are they're treating me as peers. So he said it wasn't like a workahol problem. It was uh, it was that he just couldn't say no. Like the kid in him was like, how can you say no to this? Yeah. 
and that affected all his marriages and stuff. I mean, there was a lot of crazy shit in that book, too, that coincides with him being like a working holic. Like he's doing all this stuff as his like second family is falling apart. Yeah. Which he still jokes about, too. Yeah. He makes light of the whole entire gamut of uh, of his career on yeah. stage and off. Well, well, the first wife doesn't seem like it's weird because so the first wife, he he's he's in Genesis and they're right on the cusp of breaking, breaking America, which is what mm-hmm. you have to break in order to become really successful. And their management is like, hey, we need to do like a year long tour with most of it focusing in America and then like some Japanese dates at the end or whatever. And. His wife, like, she doesn't like touring. Uh, She's got one kid of her own, and then they have a kid together. And um, she's basically telling him, like, if you complete this tour, I'm not going to be here at the end. So he, he buys this beautiful house. They hire an interior decorator to, he's like, well, maybe, you know, just paint the house and decorate it and that'll keep you busy while I'm on tour. And he's saying like, listen, this isn't going to be my whole life. I mean, it does end up being his whole life, but at the time it was (laughs) tour that tour like this for a year. And so you don't have to tour like this every year. It was like, you'll set yourself up, right? Yes. Set yourself up and then you'll, and then we'll be able to pick and choose our moments a little more. Um, but then it turns out that uh, his wife leaves him for the painter that he hired <laughs> <laughs> to paint his house. It all works out in the end. <laughs> and he can't get her back. Like, imagine being Phil Collins in Genesis and you're already kind of like Phil Collins, you know, like mm-hmm. you're you're maybe a year or two away from being the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And um your wife's just like, nah, this this dude that paints houses is what I'm looking for. Yeah, forget Paris and like Tokyo. You should see what this guy did in the den. <laughs> <laughs> Look at I, the baseboards, man. Come on. I just like, well, when 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 Phil says that when he gets off tour and like she's left, you know, she's like she's gone and he was like like the paint isn't even dry on the walls. Like he gets <laughs> home to this freshly painted house <laughs> that that he hired. Like he he signed the checks for the for the dude that stole his wife. <laughs> have either of you guys seen Genesis or Phil Collins live? I, I would love to. I never have. I saw Genesis. I haven't seen Phil Collins live. I saw Genesis um, in uh, that 2007 tour. That, that turn it on again mm-hmm. tour at giant stadium and um they sounded amazing but then you know phil comes out doing that you know that thing with the tambourine where of course he's banging it off his head and off all parts of his body he's doing that dance when he came out and doing that you were suddenly shocked by how old he looked like this was in 2007 i remember grabbing my sister's hand because i was scared that he was going to like fall down and break a hip or something well he sits down now i'll tell you that yeah oh yeah well now he now he can't leave the chair no he didn't stand up for once when i saw him three years ago solo he stood up for in the air tonight and then when i saw genesis three weeks ago he uh he sits down the entire time yeah, I nothing will beat nothing will beat the New York Post review of the show at the Garden. 
I didn't even read the review, but the headline was in the chair tonight. Oh, that's <laughs> so fucking funny. I, <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. That is so funny. It's it's in hard. <laughs> Ming, Ming just pulled up pictures of him that I'm looking at now. And I have like, he looks like the land of confusion puppet. Like he's he's <laughs> he he officially looks like his puppet now. Yeah, so I saw them three weeks ago, right? And it was uh, still good. Uh, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, uh, can, can, real quick, and I want you to hold that. But like, I think it would also be fun if they could have included the the, the titles, like the headlines, "Another Day in Paradise." I think that would be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wish he would sit down. You know, <laughs> me and my well, brother well, were going back and forth with different ones, like M Mike, Mike, and the medics. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, he seems to have an invisible crutch. <laughs> i literally can't dance it's it's really it's really sad though right like they how did how did they sound pat i thought okay here's the thing you got to take it for what it is phil collins can't sing like he used to and he's 70 71 he's seven, right? yeah. <clears throat> they, yeah, had, they yeah. had they had two backup singers which did some heavy lifting but tony banks and mike rutherford uh can still play so musically, they sounded fantastic. And, and they, they had Daryl, who's been on guitar with them for 40 years. So musically, the show was good. But yeah, Phil Collins' uh, vocals were a little uh, subpar. But the backing vocals helped. But I'm such a huge Genesis fan. And I was so excited to be there that like it almost didn't matter. I knew what I was getting into. I saw Phil Collins three years ago. Yeah. I knew he sits down the whole time. You know, like he can't sing like he used to. But I was so thrilled to see Genesis together. And like I said, musically, they're fantastic. I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. But I heard a lot of people say, a lot of people I know were at the concert who were like, Phil Collins sucks or the show was terrible. Like, no, it wasn't. They're fucking old now. Like, what do you what do you expect? I mean, come on. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but you know what it's still said, coming like, out, man, they're still selling out 25,000 people yeah. every single show. Yeah. And it's like and it's like, you know, like you said, Pat, you know what you're expecting. It's kind of like me coming to a comedy show to see Pat House in 2010 versus now i'm like you're you're awful now like you're not funny exactly. you're boring but i'm like it's i'm just here i'm here right. for the pat house experience but 11 years memories, ago i was in my prime right and the <laughs> memories of that that i have i'm like that's the pat house i know remember it's now it's sad and boring and and just off-putting but it's just i i you know i get there i buy the t-shirt and i you know i'm i get to you know i get to watch your son also do jokes on the back of the stage, which Absolutely, I think that's, yeah. that's a really fun part for me. Yeah. yeah. I sit down the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks, he looks much worse than 70. Like the, he the, does. He yeah. looks like decrepit. Like he's got that like Gollum thing going. Yes. Like I know, I know he's had problems with like his left arm. So he like holds the microphone kind of funky. So it's like, don't zoom in on him. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, I saw Metallica three or four years ago, right? And Metallica are probably what late fifties, maybe pushing sixty. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't zoom in on their faces. They had shots of them from far away on all the video screens, and they showed old footage. Not once during a three-hour Metallica concert did they zoom in on their faces. Fucking smart idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. That's what I do with my shows. I ask them. I, just, I actually asked the, the audience to turn away and just listen. <laughs> um, Pat, do you have a favorite? So, okay. Do, do you, do you prefer Genesis or Phil Collins solo? 
I don't have an answer because I grew up with both. Yeah. Uh, my dad took me to see Genesis when I was six or seven. It was the I Can't Dance tour at the Vet. And I remember so much about it. Um, so Genesis and Phil Collins were the first like band artist I loved, even before the Beatles and mm-hmm. Weird Al, like people I got into when I was super, super young. I was like raised on Phil Collins solo and Phil Collins Genesis. And then when I got older, I went back into Peter Gabriel Genesis and loved it all. Yeah. Um, But I really do love both. He's had so many good hits with both bands, both like hits and songs that aren't as popular with both bands. So I'm a I'm a big, big fan of both. And honestly, the older I get, I think the more I appreciate him more, I guess, having read his book, because I just know so much more now and have such an appreciation for his huge catalog. Huge. Huge. And all the shit he did on the side that we talked about the movies and stuff and everything else. So Produce, but also producing like that's like he would in the eighties, he would put out the biggest solo record of the year. You know, he would put out the biggest album of the year as a solo artist, you know, take 10 months, 10 months off. And then Genesis would come out and have like the best selling album of the year, the best selling tour. And then he would and then he would go produce an album for Eric Clapton and then he would come back and release a monster solo album. And then Genesis would put out a new batch of like it was just this cycle where you were like, oh, this guy's never, ever, ever going away. And just think about what. I was just gonna say, like, just yeah. think about what Genesis did. And like, I, I don't it's not that I'm not a fan. I, I don't know a lot of their early stuff, especially like the Peter Gabriel stuff. But like they went from obviously a very fringy, uh, obviously a very talented, yeah. but fringy, very arty, you know, prog rock band. To Theatrical. Like, yeah, yes. To like, but they were able to then somehow like just rework it and just put out all these crazy pop hits, which I think is just such a, yes. a crazy turn yes. that a lot of bands would not be like, like I think of like, yes, like they did like owner of a lonely heart. Great song. But like other than that, like I, I can't think of too many, especially prog rock bands that were a bit like, let's cut the shit and just write a three minute song. Yeah, they, the whole tone of the band to do that. Yeah, the whole tone of the band seemed to shift. But I wonder if that was like the 80s, too, because Genesis definitely I mean, they always had Tony Banks on the keyboards, but it definitely got more like synthesizery. Yeah. Like, uh, which everybody dabbled in, even like, even like Queen and U2 dabbled with that shit in the 80s. Sure. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I think honestly, like, I think MTV probably had a lot to do with that, too. MTV, they realized yeah. MD, MTV. And like, you look at Phil Collins, like, I remember, I still remember, I think the first time, and, and, and I'm, I'm terrible. You could probably quiz me and I, I'd be, I wouldn't know like mid 80s Phil Collins versus Genesis hits, but like that's all. That's a Genesis song, right? Yes, that's all. Correct. That just, right, okay. Like I, I think that that and Against All Odds was like my first memories of Phil Collins when I was a little kid, seeing him on MTV, and he seemed old then, just because he was like you know little guy, bald by that point, you know early bald guy. But uh, like obviously they weren't Duran Duran. They weren't this like flashy young no. hip, you know, attract really super attractive looking you know, video friendly people, but like they were able to figure that out and they made a bunch of great videos. I mean, just look at obviously land of confusion and some fun, like they figured out theatrically and maybe that came from their early stuff, but like we're able to make some fun, interesting videos. Yeah. It's, it it is, it is insane that they went from Peter Gabriel would come out in his wife's dress and a fox head mask and they were doing 25 minute songs and they were packing out, you know, they were packing out theaters and and but people were coming to see Peter Gabriel and they were coming to see the theatrics of it all. And then when you think that like 
Peter Gabriel left and everybody in the music industry is saying Genesis is dead. There's no way they can recover. And then like not only do they recover, but they replace the guy that comes out in the fox head or the old creepy man mask. They replace him with a guy that comes out like in overalls and a Hawaiian shirt. Who's been sitting there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And and they are um, not only more successful, but they're like maybe the most successful band of a decade. Mm -hmm. And and think about this. I just want to say this. Phil Collins is one of three musicians in the world that has sold over 100 million solo records and 100 million records as part of a band. So the people on this list are Phil Collins, Michael Jackson, and Paul McCartney. And that's it. And And to the everyday average person, they would not include Phil in that at all. Just right. based off Jackson and McCartney's right. name alone. Wouldn't think, but, but here's here's something. Here's what makes it more impressive is he was doing it concurrently. Like he was doing it simultaneously. Yeah. He was selling the hundreds of millions of solo albums and band albums at the same time in the same decade. I wonder if that's kind of what hurt him when pe- people don't think about it. And I know we're going to get into the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame for Genesis, but not solo which is ridiculous but like i wonder if that concurrent thing like made him because like michael jackson like obviously people loved michael jackson as a kid and then has this resurgence of a career with off the wall of course thriller and everything and then you have mccartney who's just been around since you know the the dawn of time but like phil collins not not that he hasn't been around but like most of his stuff was that decade so i wonder if people kind of almost think of him as more of a flash in the pan even though it was just constant for a for a decade uh and i I wonder if i wonder if that's what kind of hurts him in the long run even though he's had i mean i arguably i think way more better solo hits than mccartney has and probably michael jackson too to a certain extent Mm -hmm. i would agree with that and i don't think i'm even saying that as a fan i just think he has a lot more catchy tunes as a solo artist than Mm -hmm. those people you mentioned i mean jesus christ i only think i like i don't know three paul mccartney solo songs you know, yeah. but Phil Collins, I can name 74 that I love. <clears throat> right. But I think maybe it's that, that just that fact that like they came out basically between, you know, let's say 82 and 89. Yeah. So it's like, so people are like, oh, he's just, they run away. He's that 80s guy, you know, kind of. And it's just like, no, he was pretty great. You guys just asked me, do you guys have a preference between Genesis or Phil Collins or Phil Collins Genesis or Phil Collins on solo? Yeah. So I, I would say my favorite. Uh, what I would put, I would say Genesis, I like better than solo Phil Collins as a kid. I don't know, but now as, as an adult, but my era of Genesis, like for me, it was, um, like the Duke and Abacab and three sides live. That's, that's where it was like, they found a way to make these kind of haunting dark songs that they were doing with Peter Gabriel, but shorten them up and make them catchier somehow. <laughs> so it was like, you're listening to these earworms, but you're listening to the lyrics and you're like, Oh, this is dark and menacing, but then you're watching them on stage and they're goofy and they're having fun. So you're like, you did. It was like, there's a sense of humor about them. There's a darkness about them. There's, 
there's the the lyrics are interesting but they're also it's very poppy like it just you you couldn't figure out exactly what it was but right up until even like that self-titled genesis album with mama on it that that's one of the first cassettes i ever bought Mm -hmm. um i loved that album i loved every single song on there um i always thought Tell me what you guys think. I always thought that either Nine Inch Nails or Marilyn Manson missed the boat by not doing a cover of Mama. Yeah. That's a good point. Nine Inch Nails have a great cover of uh, Queen's Get Down, Make Love. Mm-hmm. Trent Reznor did a great job with. <clears throat> yeah. I always saw Mama as that like a cool Marilyn Manson. Or, yeah, but it was weird. Like, even on that album, it was like you have that kind of dark brooding song and then it was like you know right after it was like a legal alien which (laughs) (laughs) which by the way good luck good luck making that today i just watched that video and it's like genesis sitting around in ponchos and sombreros and and dude it's the fake mustaches and fake mustaches (laughs) phil is singing in uh in uh like faux mexican accent yeah it's 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 like by today's standard and like i mean yeah again you can yeah i I don't like to look back on stuff and be like oh that was you but like it, they, I think they did it for the right reasons, but just the execution, like in high, 30 or 40 years in hindsight, you're just like, eh, that's a, yeah, <laughs> people would not enjoy that now. No. And, you know, illegal aliens don't smile like that. They're all in a good mood. That's not how that shit goes down. <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of bopping their heads in yeah. the car. Yeah. It's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, so you, you just mentioned Mama <clears throat> when they played that last month. It was cool to hear live. But when I was a kid, I loved the <laughs> yes. part. And like Phil can't do it anymore. It just didn't sound well the same. And I wasn't expecting it to, but he was further off the mark with that particular part of the song than I thought he would be. I, now, I have now, a, since, since he is obviously, you know, he has his physical issues as he was in the seat. Pat, like as he's in this chair, was he able to get the poncho and the sombrero on or yes, somebody have yes, to help him with yes. that? Yes. Some, something worked, tells me the entire time. Something okay. tells me tells me illegal alien has been dropped from the set list some time ago. Yeah. I know they played it in 91 as part of the old medley. They just did like a part of yes. it. They do like medleys where they, yeah. you know, play. By the way, I hate when bands do medleys. I like when you see a band do a medley, I'm like, this is fucking garbage. Just commit just just pick a couple songs and play them but when genesis would rework their peter gabriel era stuff into one 20 minute medley it just worked it was like oh they're they're taking the best elements so they take the best elements of a 23 minute supper's ready and and they they take one section or one coda and then they mix it and like oh that's actually I used to have that from that tour. They put out an album like live the way we walk. There was a long, the longs. Oh God, the long and the shorts, the longs. I never bought the shorts, but I bought the longs and I would, uh, I guess I was in junior high when that came out. I would smoke a bowl before bed and I would fall asleep listening to that album almost every night. Dude, that that opens with that 20 minute medley. 
the old medley. Yep. And they play they play dance on a volcano and they play Lamb Lies Out on Broadway and Firth the Fifth in there. Yeah. And it's so fucking cool. I know what I like in your wardrobe. Month. They played Afterglow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. They played Afterglow, which is a relatively boring Genesis song. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of that one, but they only did the first two verses and then everything stopped and they went right into the cinema show, like the eight minute musical ending part of the song. And I was over the moon. Yeah. And you you know, what's really crazy is that they have maintained a fan base from that era and that, and that everybody seems to um, remember these songs and they still get excited when they play them, like you would think at some point they would just be like, all right, you know, like if if you like a 23 minute supper's ready, chances are like in too deep isn't going to be your thing or land of confusion isn't going to be your thing. But they're able to bridge that gap, which is but so impressive. They bridge it and, and people seem to respond to the super old stuff. Pat, who opened for Genesis? Mason? Nobody. Oh, really? Just no, they played Genesis. from 815. They played from 815 to 1045. Two and a half hours, no opener. Wow. And the, I, the other times I've seen Phil Collins and Genesis, there has never been an opener. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember there being one when we saw no. Um, no, and Do you guys think that Peter Gabriel was offended that he didn't get to be on Miami Vice? No. And like he was, he did, do, he did do that really good episode of Cop Rock, though. So I thought that was good. <laughs> um, it's funny. I remember, like, I sort of thought, like, like my memory of it was like after that We Can't Dance tour, that was so We Can't Dance uh, uh, essentially ends up being the last Genesis album. So, you know, which yeah, is, but they they put out the one more. They put out one more without Phil Collins. They found some Scottish oh. alternative uh, singer, and they put out an album called "Calling All Stations," which went nowhere. It was, it was Gary Sharon. <laughs> 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 that guy's got no luck. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, we can't dance. Ends up becoming his swan song with Genesis. And by then, like I was already of the mindset, like, Oh, maybe Genesis isn't that cool. anymore. like the, maybe Phil Collins, like they I'm re- junior I mean, high. They at really that point. went for a swing on the, on the, I can't dance video. Right. Like this is like, okay, they're just being cartoonish now, which yeah, it's, it was fun, but it's also, I remember it being like, Oh, this is fun. But it's, I was in like ninth grade, I think too. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of hokey. So yeah. I, I would have guessed that the invisible touch tour i would have guessed that was their high water mark and sure. then they started to come down with why we can't dance and then phil called it quits but i was reading it last night um the we can't dance tour was their all-time biggest selling tour it broke all their records for attendance they sold out four nights at Wembley Stadium in like three hours, which is 80,000 people. And Phil essentially walks out while they're still on the very top. You know, like he yeah. like he, he just said he realized he was like, where do you go from selling out four shows at Wembley? He's like, what do we come back and do an album and sell out five? He was like, there's there's no mountains left to. I want like I wonder why that topped like invisible 
touch? Like, was it just the timing? Was there like too much? It was almost like oversaturated in 85 where like he was kind of oversaturated. You had live aid and everything. And then, and then there, maybe there wasn't as much going on in 90. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just like tickets with inflation, maybe tickets are more expensive than, you know, so, but their, their attendance records are even, by the way, I was talking about their videos earlier. Uh, the Invisible Touch video is one of my favorite video cliches of the 80s, where it's basically just the band members and they have their own little video cameras. Yeah. And they're like taking pictures behind the scenes. Like that's that's one of my favorite dumb video tropes of the 80s. And I'll always watch. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's talk about or So let's talk about Phil Collins sitting in with Led Zeppelin. Because he clears this up in the book because he has been abandoned warehouse. He has been getting ripped apart for this. For Well, first of all, I think he was in a bad mood anyway, because he I, I saw an interview where he was, he was talking about, like, I guess at Wembley when he was playing against all odds, he like screwed up a couple of chords or something like that. He was like, yeah, yeah you can that. see you can hear it and you can yeah. see it. He's yeah. like fucking pissed. Yeah, it's pretty quick, but it's noticeable. But then he knows he's got another shot at it in, you know, seven hours or whatever. So what he says is um, he wasn't asked to drum on a Led Zeppelin reunion. And he says if he had been, he probably would have said no. Mm -hmm. So what happens is he's good friends with Robert Plant. And then Robert calls him and says, hey, you know, did you get the call from Geldof, from Bob Geldof? Are you doing this live aid thing? And Phil was like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. And then Robert Plant said, why don't you come drum for me? And then Phil was thinking, oh, that's perfect. I can be involved and not have to front the band. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I, I I think Phil Collins was an accidental front man. I think if he could have had his way, he would have been behind the drum kit for his entire career. Mm-hmm. And so he says, yeah, I'll come play with you. And then almost as an afterthought, Robert's like, oh, maybe maybe Jimmy will come along. You know, Jimmy Page. So he was asked to play with his friend Robert Plant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then after Robert Plant's like, well, maybe Jimmy Page, you know, and then all of a sudden, like as as it starts moving forward, like all of a sudden now it's like, oh, well, John Paul Jones is going to join us, too. And didn't feel like walk in the room and John Paul Jones was there and he had like no idea. It was like literally Page Plant and Jones. And then Phil Collins walks in like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like walked in like as the assumed fourth member. And, and let me get this straight. I, I, I believe at this point, uh, John Bonham, he was busy. He had a side gig at this point. Is that what happened? No, you're yeah, confused. He, he was, he, he was, I think he had it. He was, he was doing some television work. Is that right? I, I can't remember the exact. Oh yeah. He was on Miami vice that week. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. John Bonham. <laughs> yeah. He was tubs, right? John Bonham. Would t- so yeah, it was, yeah, he was tubs. That's no, right. John Bonham is dead. Of course. And, uh, they have not, they still they, is, they quit still. Yeah. Even that's to this you, day, Pat, that's, that's what you and the rest of the sheep think. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they're, you know how there's still some of these QAnon people waiting for JFK jr. To arrive in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. John, Bonham, think- John Bonham's next. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but then, oh, then by, by, by the way, can I, can I 
can I tell I, I this is just a general rock thing. Can I just jump jump in real quick? Pat will appreciate this. Uh, we, uh, we Pat and I lost a unfortunately lost a friend uh, last week. A uh, my good friend from Maine who uh, he was up in his sixties. We went to visit every year. Huge rock fan. Best dude. His name's Steve. Uh, we're very good family friends with him. His daughter actually. I think it's today. It might be starting very soon. If not, it's if it's not already going on right now. Is his memorial service like literally as we're recording this? And during the memorial service, they're just going to be playing lowly uh, Stephen King's radio station, WKIT, up in Maine, which is this amazing classic rock station that everybody should listen to. And they're just going to be playing that during his uh, his uh, memorial service that's, because he was such that's a fan. Awesome. And Pat and I, when we've been up to Maine, listen to that uh, all the time. And it's the greatest classic rock station ever. Yeah. So okay. and, and uh, check out pers- Steve's autobiography, Dead Yet. You know what? You know what? I, I don't appreciate that. Let's, you're going to edit that out and you're going to write me a letter of apology. I'm sorry. Well he played. Would, he would probably like that joke. Steve would have absolutely laughed at that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> no, but uh, seriously. Um, yeah. Condolences. Thank you. But go ahead. Um, how much time? Uh, we're, we we're talking Zeppelin. about, we we're, we're talking with... about uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah yeah so then so then the led zeppelin thing they don't get much rehearsal none of them sound that good um there's another drummer there it wasn't jason bonham but there was another drummer there i forget who and um, was it keith keith moon it was probably keith moon yeah oh he was on no he was on give me a break (laughs) never mind i'm sorry go ahead (laughs) and um for some reason, uh, Phil Collins takes the brunt of all. Oh, it was uh, Tony Thompson. Thank you. With Chic drummer. So the drummer from Chic was filling in also mm-hmm. for John Bonham. Um, Phil Collins says at one point he's air drumming because he it's something like his his earpiece blew out or he has no idea where he is. And he's just pretending to hit the kit. And, and that's it, like we, we talked about you guys should go listen to the live eight episode, which is a fun one. It's like just it, by nature, that whole thing was a clusterfuck because it was thrown together so fast. And just to have that tech, you know, thrown together, it, it's got to be so difficult, like to have all the earpieces, the monitors, everything, you know, just kind of throw it up on that on that revolving stage had to be so difficult. Phil Collins got the shaft all the way around that day, because remember, he was. Um, singing, he was playing with Sting, singing "Every Breath You Take," and then Sting changed the words on him. Yeah, so it looked like Phil Collins had no idea what he was singing. Yes, because Sting just kind of went a little not off the cuff. He still sang the same song, but switched up the lyrics that him and Phil had rehearsed. Yeah, and apparently, right before they went on stage, Sting said to Phil, "Hey, just so just to give you heads up, I kind of." don't always stick to script and I kind of mess around with the lyrics. So Phil Collins looked like a jackass for rehearsing and then Sting just taking it somewhere else. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. That's oh, rough. yeah. Thanks, Gordon. That's super yeah. helpful. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mr. Sumner. Um, <clears throat> and also, I, I refreshed my memory this morning. He flew on the Concord from London to Philadelphia and they were doing the first live broadcast yeah. from inside the Concord and the audio was messed up. It was 1985. They're broadcasting from a plane over the middle of the ocean. Yeah. But like, like a comedy, like a comic in a comedy club, if the microphone doesn't go right, you look like the jackass. If the sound cuts out, if the cord snaps, you look like the asshole. Yeah, right. So they're on MTV and Phil Collins cannot be heard or seen. Guess who looked like the idiot? Phil Collins. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is all in one fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Do you know how good Phil Collins was in the 80s? That I went out and I bought the fucking Philip Bailey album because that was the only way to get Easy Lover. <laughs> Philip Bailey, he Earth, Wind, and Fire. He produced, is Easy, is Easy Lover maybe the best or one of the best rock duet? Maybe Stop Dragging My Heart Around, I'll Give You is the best rock duet. Easy Lover's got to be right up there, right? I agree 100%. And Phil Collins's people said, don't make it sound too black. And Philip Bailey people said, don't make it sound too white. They heard it from both sides. Right. And then what they came up with, let, let's just make it sound was super white. an absolute white. fucking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw Ted Alexandro tweet once that he would watch a 30 for 30 on the making of Easy Lover video. He did, <laughs> he did tweet that. You're right. <laughs> Which I, always make, I always think about that. All right. Well, okay. Let's, let's, let's do this real quick. All right. I'm just, I uh, literally just pulled up the track list for his greatest hits. Uh, I think it was released first in 1998. All right. Pick, pick your favorite one. Okay. This isn't even getting into, I don't think any of this is uh, uh, Genesis. I think it's all him. You ready for this? All right. Pick your favorite. Okay. Another day in paradise, easy lover. Uh, you can't hurry love, which, okay. Let's not get into that. Uh, I love two, that when it came out. Yeah. Uh, I wish it would rain down against all odds. Something happened on the way to paradise. Uh, separate lives, both sides of the story. One more night, Susudio, dance into the night, a groovy kind of love in the air tonight. Take me home. Which one are you taking? Just like, just you got to pick one. I mean, I hate to be like the greatest hit dude, but yeah. I, like in the air yeah, tonight. I'll, I'll say you, you could pick another one too, if the one that I did not mention. Easy lover. Yeah. Patrick. Oh, Patrick looks super. I wish frozen. it would rain oh, down. Goes. It's a good one. That is a good one. That's what Eric Clapton on guitar. I, I Eric Clapton. Yep. That's that's a nine minute video. Do you remember Shit, the which video? One did you say? Yeah, yeah. With with Jeffrey Tambor, yeah, no, it's, it's black and white. They're like it. He's Bill Collins. It looks like, isn't it? Like almost like, yeah. Yep. What what do you what do you take, Chip? I mean, I'm gonna sound like such a. It's such a, a dummy and just so like front runner in the air. I'm going to go with in the air tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. What what he did with those drums. Yeah. It's I mean, it's like that was a sound that had never been heard. Mm -hmm. The fact that they made fun of that and the hangover, too, was fantastic because I think as a kid, I grew up thinking like <clears throat> maybe I was the only one who realized how cool that part was. Yeah. And then I, yeah. as I got older, I realized other people loved that part, too. And then you're like, oh, shit, fucking Ed Helms and Mike Tyson are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I was a little my brother was a drummer. And when I was a, he had when I was a little kid, I used to steal his drumsticks and sit in my room and blast that song and pretend like I was drumming and singing. Yeah. And I did that up until I was 19. I still do that. Yeah, <laughs> I still do that. I have drumsticks behind me. All there was the some I, I think it was like an MTV commercial, something like that, like in maybe the late 90s, maybe even in like the early 2000s. There was like a series of commercials where it would be like it would be like like Chicago, Illinois or you know, some like Nebraska, 1985. And it would just be do like a shot. And it was just some kid. You barely see the kid, but he just had like his makeshift drum thing. And he would just he would just do that and then accidentally knock over a lamp. And that was like everybody did that. It was like the greatest. Yeah, it was the greatest thing ever. Um. 
It really, I mean, it's still, it still sounds so great. All right. We, I want to, uh, I want to wrap this up in a few minutes, but I think that we would be, we would be remiss if not to talk about one of his more impressive accomplishments. <laughs> so he calls it quits. Phil Collins basically calls it quits. And uh, I don't know. Um, he, he quits Genesis in 97. 96. 96. Yeah. 96, 97, something like that. Yeah. He, he starts slowing down. He, he's he's the second divorce is, is become really ugly tabloid fodder. And um, after something like a 40-year career in music, he pretty much calls it quits and moves to Switzerland to, to live with his third wife. And it's at this point, at the age of 55, uh, when he's retired, that he was like, well, fuck it. Now seems like the time to become a full-blown alcoholic. So that <laughs> this guy, this guy spent four decades in the sex drugs and rock and roll business from the 60s through the 90s yes without ever getting caught up in sex drugs rock and roll and then he was like all right guess i'll have me arrest and then and then like that day it becomes becomes a full-blown alcoholic to the point where they're like if you don't stop drinking you're gonna die like the kind, the kind of al- times. yeah, the kind of alcoholism that takes thirty or forty years, yeah, to build. He he does in like five years. Good for him, man. I know. I was like, if it didn't do so much to his health, I I I uh, I, I would be more impressed for him. But he it it, it you know he. <laughs> I'm reading somehow. Is he sober now? I would assume he's sober now, uh, I believe. But I I mean, um, he uh, there's one part in the book where he's talking about, you know, he they they go to vacation or something like in Jamaica or Antigua and somewhere. Keith Richards is staying in the villa next door. Mm hmm. And, you know, this is already in the 2000s. Like Keith Richards is pretty much fucking calmed down by now. And Phil is like the party. You know what I like? Like Keith Richards is ringing up Phil Collins like, hey, can you keep it down? It's late. (laughs) (laughs) And we're 65. What what would you? Yeah. Okay. What would you? You're at a bar. Like, let's say you're just like it's some like out door bar like in the bahamas or something like that or like some in the south of france and you're just a drunk you know 55 year old phil collins what are you screaming like do you know who the fuck i am kind of thing like i would be like i would be like i would yell something like i wrote the fucking soundtrack to tarzan like i would just yell some some shit like like crazy shit like there's so much that phil collins could yell i think i would take credit for tarzan that's what i would do I would I would be With screaming. this generation, yeah. I'd be screaming easy lover. Easy lover. I'd yeah. be like, I'll fucking get Philip Bailey on the phone. And then the I'd people be would be like super- Who? Have you motherfuckers heard of Jesus? He knows me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say, Pat? I said mine would probably be super like autistic and fanboy and be like, hey, in Germany in 1991, I saw this YouTube clip where you played this one song differently on the drums. You know what you were doing that night? Like something he would have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, like I, I, feel like, like, I and- saw you in, at the vet in 91. Do you remember seeing me? I was six years old. My dad had me on his shoulders, <laughs> like something <laughs> like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then like he's he's just getting really like belligerent and like a bouncer finally has to come up up to him and he barely knows who he is because he's just like old man yelling and, yeah. and the, the 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 bouncer's like all right buster let's go he's like you recognize me <laughs> he's like don't make me throw you out get of the here hook. wouldn't it be funny if the bouncer was like now get the fuck out of there and just very gently pushes his wheelchair outside <laughs> <laughs> Um, so here's my favorite thing about the book is that at the time that he's writing it, it's like 2016 or something. And so he has divorced his third wife, but he's still pining away for her. And she's like 20 years younger or whatever. And then they, they reconcile and, um, they don't remarry, but they get back together right before the pandemic. And she moves back into his $40 million mansion in Miami that he bought when she divorced him. She moved and took the kids to Miami. So he buys this $40 million mansion in Miami to be closer to his kids. And um, at the time that you're reading the book, it's like, yeah, she left me and it was everything was she I, I deserved it. And she was right. And, you know. But now now we're back together. So, so you're saying he was fair and gave both sides of the story. <laughs> yes. Along he's, with twenty five million in the divorce. She gets twenty five million at the time. One of the most lucrative divorces. And um, so but now you're reading the end of the book and it's just like, oh, and this angel has has come back into my life and I'm so lucky and, and we're a family and maybe it's dysfunctional and maybe it's not traditional, but the Collins clan, blah, blah, blah. And now um, you fast forward a few years. Chip, are you aware of what this lady did with him? I'm no, not at all. So she, he, uh, they've reconciled. They're back together. She moves back into the house he goes away somewhere to do some work like he I don't know if it was on tour or some kind of business, but he leaves Miami for an extended period of time, at which point she secretly marries her young boyfriend. Like now she's 40 and she's got a boyfriend in his 20s, right. secretly marries him, moves him into Phil Collins mansion and refuses to leave. No. Yes. And this was in the news. I remember this, this is, being like this on, was in the news. The news. Of, this was just a few months. This just very recently got settled. So I'm I'm like reading this and he was like, you know, he's like, oh, maybe it's not traditional, but I guess you can say it's a groovy kind of love. And I'm like, uh, now fast forward two years and, you know, he's banging on the door like you fucking cunt with his cane, with his cane, <laughs> with his cane. He's sitting in his chair, banging on the door with his cane. <laughs> Oh my God. So is, where is he now? Is he, I mean, like, or like, do they, did he get them out of the house? Yeah. He finally got them out. But like, she just, can you imagine like she just moved? That would make me forget that my first wife left me for a painter. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> you're in good standing now. I mean, at least the guy had a trade. This guy's a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This guy was on geek squad. He, he, he was, <laughs> Oh, man, that's a nice looking house. All right. Well, Pat, we'll say thank you we'll, for having me, man. Yeah. I mean, I could talk. Phil. We, we should really we, we could, a year from now do a Phil Collins part two. That there's uh, still I, some. I, I feel like it. we haven't even scratched the surface. Tell the people about your tattoo. 
Yes. Which tattoo? I have a Foo Fighters tattoo on my right bicep. Why would we not tell the people that about one. that one? Oh, the other one. Oh, the one that says Susu Studio on my right hip. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you got that? Uh, 35. <laughs> So I was, I was, I was pretty young, you know? Yeah. I mean, Pat, really just Pat had to wait until, uh, he found a tattoo artist young enough to not know what it was. She did not know what it was. <laughs> you can't, you can't uh, go in there. Did you guys see this mass shooting in Denver yesterday? No. I, I mean, was, I heard like it was at like four locations. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. That right? yeah. They were all tattoo artists. I got my tattoo in Denver and the woman that did my tattoo knows all the victims. Oh, my no. God. It is oh terrible. God. Yeah. We were texting a, a little bit this morning. It's really fucked up. But yeah, I got my uh, Sue Sue studio tattoo in Denver by an awesome chick named Steph. And yeah, there was this unfortunate, this horrible mass shooting throughout the town yesterday. And it was all within the tattoo community. Wow. In Denver. Yeah. Jesus. I wanted to end on a high note. Yeah, Sorry. thanks for thanks for thanks for ruining this episode, Pat. I guess uh, if we can just hit delete, maybe we'll start maybe we'll start over again with somebody with a good guest. It was a mass shoot shoot shootio. <laughs> this is this is the level to what we have sunk at this podcast, which started out not only as a just a high watermark for just you know, relishing in the great deeds of rock's most luminary stars, but also as a rundown of every single different strokes episode. And you've turned it into something cheap. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Oh, by the way, I should mention, I don't know if he wants his name read on air, but I should mention that we, we have, we have a fan who reached out to me just days ago and was like, so when are you guys going to do a Phil Collins episode already? I, gar I guarantee his name online is just Matt House. <laughs> yeah, it was Matt Condo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so he. So wait. So 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 ask, and ye shall receive. Yes, that's what, what we've been saying. Reach out yep. to us. We want to hear yep. from you. Yeah. If if you have somebody you'd like us to cover, we'll 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 find we'll find somebody to cover them with us. Yeah. Andrew Ridgely. Yes, yeah. the other Whamster. I and, and here's the thing, because like I will say, it's like I know it's 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 fun to have some. We've had some big name guests on here, which has been amazing. We've thank had, you, thank you. Like obviously, like Pat House. Uh, we uh, we we've done obviously huge names. You know, you know Phil Collins, and, and you know the, the list goes on. But my favorite episodes have been the the obscure ones that are like these. So if you have like a weird obscure story that you're like, this is a crazy story that people should hear about. Let us know. That's yes. what I want. We'll do the yeah. research. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I think we were going to talk about this, too. Um, uh, any recommendations uh, from you guys? Anything you're listening to, either like brand new music or just something you've been listening to lately that you're like, oh, I just rediscovered this. And this is a uh, pretty, uh, pretty damn good. Yeah. So this this isn't this isn't a uh, Phil Collins really. That's actually McCartney. Right. So I just I stumbled on Paul McCartney's most recent album. I guess it came out during the pandemic. He went into his home studio. McCartney three. He plays every instrument by himself, sings every part at like uh, Phil's divorce albums. Mm -hmm. And um I'm like, I, I'm not a huge Paul McCartney fan. I probably haven't listened to one of his solo albums in 30 years. 
but I cannot stop listening to this. I can't believe how hard some of it rocks. Like there's legit, oh, cool. there's legit three songs on there that sound like they can be Queens of the Stone Age songs. And you're like, how is a dude pushing 80 rocking this hard? There's also, oh, there, that's really cool. Man. There's a yeah. song. I'll send it to you guys. There's a nine minute song on there called deep, deep feeling, which I, it's gotta be, I mean, again, it's gotta if, be if it, one of his best songs. in years. If, if it's a Paul McCartney, uh, song that's nine minutes long just an 80 year old guy i'm just assuming it's like a decent three minute song but then he actually just left the recorder on for another six <laughs> minutes and you and you just hear him like walking around swishing it in his pocket Shuff, shuffling around the yeah. studio no it's it's really good it takes a lot of twists and turns and there's also a song on there called deep down which is about getting fucked by a beetle like getting fucked really well it's like it should an 80 year old guy. You you shouldn't be getting 80 year old Paul singing about dicking you down deeply. Yeah, but he does. And it's fucking great. But it works. Yes, that's great. So that was, that that's out. what I'm listening to McCartney three nonstop all week. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Anything with you guys? I am. Uh, I, I'm currently listening to it's and I can say he's a friend of mine and he's from Philly. Uh, uh one of my favorite hip hop artists, uh, Reef the Lost Cause. If you guys know Reef from Philly, uh, has I, I've, I've been listening to all the stuff. He has a, a more recent album out that that's great. Uh, just check out anything Reef the Lost Cause does. It's his 40th birthday actually today. Is he really a friend of yours? What's that? He's really a friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. So let's he's get a, him on I mean, the like, show. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah, and like he, I mean, I say friend, uh, good acquaintance. I, he's he's a great dude. He's actually really good friends with Johnny. He's really good. He and Johnny Good Times have a podcast together oh. called The Philly Blunt, and uh, they have a podcast together that I've been on. I've been, so you know, he's but he's just great he, and uh, his stuff. And I'll say this too: um, this is going to sound like just how just '90s fanboy I am. But recently, I dis rediscovered. Uh, let's just talk about it, guys. Let's get it out there. I'm just going to throw out the name Counting Crows. Okay. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm just putting it out there. Disclaimer. Uh, love Counting Crows, August and everything after. And then recently, my brother and I just stumbled upon their second album, Recovering the Satellites. Amazing. It's so good. It's it's really, really good. I've been listening to that like constantly recently. Um, and actually, Patrick, uh, one of the tattoos you have, it's the same producer uh, from the Foo Fighters. I can't remember his name right now that produced that album. And you're like, oh, I can. This totally sounds like a Which Vig. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, maybe, but I don't I don't think so. Uh, Which Vig was the guy who did Nevermind and the drummer from Garbage. I don't think that's him, though. No, it's the but the Foo Fighters. Uh, I, I should know this, but um, it's but you can say like you're like, oh, uh, it, but it's a rocking album. Uh, it's 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 really good. So recovering satellites. Uh, uh, Pat, how about you? I this is gonna sound lame, but uh, honestly, I really have been listening to a lot of Genesis lately. Just because I saw yeah, them three weeks yeah. ago, and I've been in a huge Genesis mood. Um, I'm going back more to the Peter Gabriel stuff, and I'm listening to the stuff I never really heard before. Like I'm a huge Genesis fan, but I don't know every single song, especially from way back when. Yeah. So I've kind of been dabbling a little bit more in that. But then I find myself going back and listening to the songs that I love. I love their live albums. Like yeah, I can me, listen that, to those are my favorite. The old medley and from from the tour you saw, uh, Ken, back in 2007, the Turn It On Again tour, mm -hmm. they have this um, in the cage cinema show medley, which I could listen to twice a day. It's like 16 minutes long. Yeah. But the music, I just get lost in the music. Like Phil doesn't even have to sing. I just love what the fucking band is doing. So mm -hmm. for the past month, I've been on like a really big Genesis kick that I just still haven't shake yet. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, that's, uh, by the way, Pat, I just looked it up. Uh, I think it's Gil Norton. Is okay. The, yep, yep, yeah. He yeah. was. I think he did the color and the shape, which is my favorite Foo Fighters yes, album. Yes, he did. And, and it's like it when you listen to when you listen to this recovering the satellites, you're like, there's a couple songs you're like, oh, I can totally hear this. He also did like he produced like Pixie stuff. Uh, tons of stuff he's he's done. So yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'll check out that new Paul McCartney album. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So there's a song on there that I'm listening. There's a song called Laboratory Lil and I hear it. And I the first thing I say to myself is this sounds exactly like a Queens of the Stone Age song. And then a little later, I'm, I'm looking through his discog- discography and he put out an album with a different guest on each song. So it's called McCartney three reimagined. So they take the new album and then like he does one of the songs with Beck. He does one of the songs with St. Vincent and the song that I was like, Oh, this sounds just like Queens of the stone age. Josh Homme, the no shit he does with Josh Homme and Josh Homme sings it. And I, that version's even better where you're like, Oh, Josh should have written this. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, I, I'm yeah, looking forward to this. Just, yeah. But, and by the way, good for Paul McCartney for being able to like put out the album and then put out this second album based on the first album. Yeah. Because the last I heard, I mean, he really needed the money. So <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. glad that he was able to do that. Good for him. But right. No, that sounds great. Oh, okay. What would you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the original album or the, the one? The, the I prefer the original album. Okay. Yeah. But that one song, I prefer the the Josh Homme version. Okay, yeah. So great. I'll I'll send it to you guys. Very yeah. cool, thank you. All right, Patrick. Pat. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, uh, promoting and your favorite things, Pat, where can uh, where can the good uh, I love rock and rollers find you uh, both live or virtually? Virtually, Instagram and Twitter are both at Bohemian Pat City, Bohemian P A T S O D Y. And uh, uh, obviously a Genesis uh, nod right there. Clearly. The, it's the yes. band, yep. The yep. Genesis yep. song, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, go ahead. And then live. Uh, all the dates are always posted on the social media. So putting together 2022 right now. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll get some dates rolling out soon. Good. I'm just uh, at Chip Chantry on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And you can uh, you can find find me those places. Um, obviously, uh find us at rock and roll pod on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Kenneth uh, at Ken Krantz comic. Uh, what's today is December 30. I'm going to upload this one today. If you happen to hear it before I promote it, I will be playing tomorrow night, New Year's Eve in Poughkeepsie at laugh it up January 6. I'm headlining the stress factor the Capitol Thursday. building. Yeah. I'm headlining the Capitol building. It'll be a riot. And um, <laughs> where, oh, where are you going to be January 6th? You, Stress Factory in New Brunswick. My my headlining date from last week had to be postponed because of uh, COVID. And um, January 21st, I'm at the historic Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor, Long Island. If you live anywhere near there, it's one of the coolest theaters. It's my favorite show to do every year. If, if you live anywhere near there, uh, come out to that one. It's a good one. And uh, that's it. I, I think we, uh, I, I hope we did Mr. Phil Collins uh, justice. I don't, I, I don't even know. I can, I literally, I can't explain how my very first album that my, my only album that I've put out to date, my first album, I called it no punchline required. And I, my album cover mirrors the no jacket require 
album. Amazing. It was like the first album I bought. So I, I brought it back to, well, my first album should be a nod to that. That's great. That's great. So uh, yeah. Also, if you're listening and you want to check that out, no punchline required wherever you stream albums. Patrick House, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us thank this you for late me, in the year. Uh, we'll have you on again uh, unless Ken decides not to have you on. Like he, he, he avoided you. Are you okay, Pat? I think, uh, by the way, we might not have Pat on again. I think he is. Are you currently dying? I am. This oh. might be the last one. So I'm glad I went out with the Phil Collins. Episode. Yeah, that'll be good. I, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do that's better than this? Exactly. Yeah. And Absolutely on a high note, nothing. Buddy. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I can die well, happy now. Since you yeah. got the tattoo, whenever we get around the Foo Fighters, I feel like you're our man. Yeah. All right. Or just a Dave Grohl episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you next week. Happy New Year.